iglesia. Good afternoon, church. My name is Nelson Barreto, and this is my beautiful, unbelievable, amazing, one and only wife, Carolina Barreto. I always say that I don't know what God was doing when he allowed me to marry an angel. So if you're single and you seek a lot of advice and you pray a lot, you're a single man. Maybe God allows you to find one like that, which I doubt it because I think I found the only one. But she is amazing and unbelievable. And man, I want to thank Scott and Danielle. Thank you for your kind words. We do not deserve at all. I was sitting there like, who are you talking about? But uh, thank you so much. And uh, I want my wife also to, to express her heart and her gratitude at this time. Hello, church. Uh, we are so grateful to be here and finally meet you at close. And uh, very, very grateful. And also, I wanted to say how grateful I am about the Sweeney's. Um, I couldn't believe what I was listening to <laughs> either. I don't deserve any of that. But I wanted just to say, and it was in my heart, that I, I mean, I cannot take that much time. So I'm going to say one thing that I love about both of them. One, um, one to each. Uh, one is that uh, Danielle, I always tell her how much I love her, her gentle communication and how effective she are and also her smile that is so contagious. And everything about her is like, oh, you feel so comfortable and so secure. And uh, with God, it's like he's so hard. I don't know, he's like relaxed and happy and uh, I love that he's just a, such a soft-hearted uh, man and loving also. Uh, I know they loved us since we were in Chile. I felt so so comfortable with them and I knew we were going to be very close and I'm so grateful to be building a friendship with you guys. Thank you for having us here. And um, I wanted to share a little bit about me, so since, since we have little time, so you get to know me a little bit. Um, I, um, I come from a divorced family when I was four, a very broken family. So I also <laughs> became very broken when I was a teenager since very early. At uh, 14, I started drinking heavily, like drinking to get drunk because I was so... Uh, insecure, my low steam was, uh, my steam, self steam was so low, that was the only way I found out that I could express myself and have friends. So, you know, drinking takes you to, to more sin, and I was introduced to pornography at that age, and then at 15, I was, I started being very moral, and at 15, they had to, I almost died once from uh, drinking and mixing drugs, in a concert, they had to resuscitate me. And I wanted to share this also because I'm not a wonderful angel that he says I am. This is who I really am without God. It's only because of God that uh, I'm a little I'm different now. But, um, uh, and then like at 17 again, uh, um, I, well, I almost overdosed with cocaine. And I, I, I'm alive because I was able to throw everything out. Like, but I, I thought I was I was this close to die, 
And you think you learn, but you're young, and I was so resented about life. I hated life. I hated my life. Uh, I always, like, dream about having a father to protect me, to say that he was proud of me. It is really also hard to hear, you know, those uh, incredible things that Daniel says because uh, I was uh, used to hear uh, only bad things from my mom. I had a very verbally abusive mom, so she uh, would put us down all the time, like, you're not good, you're not she was comparing us with everybody else. So uh, I think almost 19, 20, I almost also died from an over-drinking. Because, um, and again at 21, and kind of also the same, I was resuscitated again. So God gave me many opportunities. And somehow imagine I went very dark all those years. Uh, to the point that imagine until 30 that I was reached out at 30, almost 31, everything that I have done uh, by then uh, and by the grace of God, He just pulled me out and and gave me the opportunity to change and transform my life. And I'm now so grateful for the first time I'm faithful to somebody like for almost 21 years. So I just wanted to share since I had little time so you get to know me and I'm here to serve you and to love you. You're part of um, our IE, so I'm very grateful to get to know you. You know, when we were about to, we were engaged, our last premarital session, uh, we had a time of getting to know one another at Genesis 2.24, like spiritually naked and without shame. And uh, that night, uh, the brother and sister that were leading the study said, this is a night where you decide if you're going to spend the rest of your life together or not. So this is a night where you will share, if you're willing, with one another everything, everything you ever did to hurt God. So the other person knows who they're marrying and who you can be without God. So I went first, and I shared, and I thought it was horrible what I was sharing. And then after that, I guess on purpose, they left my wife go last. So she shared, you know, part of what she's sharing with you tonight and a lot more. And I, sorry. I get emotional sometimes thinking about that. I began to cry because I couldn't believe person she was describing after she talked about everything everything with detail the brother looked at me and said do you still want to marry Caroline I remember she was right now sitting there and I looked at him and I said if, if God can do what he's done with her up to now I can't imagine what he's going to do from here on out. And uh, I'm just so proud of you, babe. You are a transformed human being, and you are the best that had ever happened to me after Jesus. So thank you so much for being willing to marry this mess over here. So give a hand for my wife because she's unbelievable. Amen. So before we continue, let us bow down our heads and, and pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And we were singing the song, one day in your courts, one day in your house. We don't want to be anywhere else. 
Thank you for your amazing love, for your amazing grace. Where will we be if it wasn't for you, if it wasn't for someone that are compassionate enough to come close to us and show us your love? Thank you for your son, Father. Thank you for his sacrifice. And I pray that you will help us to be together, to be united, to shine, because this dark world needs your love. We love you, Dad, and I pray you take this sinner away from your message, and it will be your spirit that talks to each one of us today. In the name of your Son, Amen. Amen. Sorry, guys, I'm, I'm a crier. Okay, you talk to my family. They know who cries first in my family. Uh, please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. So I heard, talking to Scott, that you being having a, a series or a theme called Better Together. Amen? I love that. It's always better together. Never better alone, even though some of us might get there sometimes through rough time. We think, no, better alone. Uh, you know, depending on the situation. But I believe God's heart is that it's better together. And I love it because... You know, in, in Rancho, as Danielle said, you know, we had to come in and really work on unity. Work on being united. Uh, they have gone through a lot, and rightly so. And they, they have been hurt. There's a lot of healing. Uh, and we need to work on being united. Not only for the things that happened in the years past, but even last year, right? Even what have gone on in the world. It's just... It's been so hard, and, and people go their own way sometimes. So we've been working on, on being united. And uh, how? So the question is, how do we become united? You know, sometimes we can have the mistake of thinking that we can be united in the wrong way. For example, we can focus on our differences. Instead of our commonalities. We can focus on what we not have in common. We could say like, but he's never like me. She's nothing like me. Or, Well, that's not going to get us united. You know, the world inside us to focus on something else rather than what God wants us to focus on. The world around us wants us to focus on our differences. Difference of opinion. Difference of looks. And that's never going to get us united if we focus on our differences. Instead of judging and criticizing our weaknesses, God yearns for us to see the good in each other. And even... You don't have to believe in God. You know that's true. Wherever you are in life, if we focus on our differences, we'll never see eye to eye. Here in Scripture, there are several elements that we as children of God have in common. That you can also, you don't have a relationship with God, you could have those elements as well. They are promised to everyone. And today we find out what those elements are to be 
united, to be together, to be better together. So let me ask you a question. Does anybody know how many elements do children of God have in common? Just throw a number. Anybody knows? Five, six, seven. Okay. All right. At least it didn't give me like a hundred. All right. Somebody was thinking a hundred. Well, there are actually seven key elements that unites us in Christ. So the title of today's message is simply Seven Ones. Amen? And if you forget everything it is said today, I pray that you walk away with one thought in your heart to meditate on. And that is that in the kingdom of God, we are united by the eternal, not the temporary. So unity, everyone wants unity. I mean, raise your hand if you want unity. Yeah, everybody. I mean, Jesus prayed all night for unity. But yes, Satan attempts against our unity. Whether it be in our home. I know he attempts against our unity at home. With my wife. I mean, we've been moving to a new, a new place. We were renting from some friends, some disciples in the church in, in Rancho. It was a one, one bathroom, little place, four of us, you know, three women and me in the same place. No good. Can somebody get out of that bathroom, please? It wasn't easy. So we finally moved to a new place. And it was a little hard. It's been hard, you know, to some emotions, Satan attempts. So how does he do that? How how does he try to destroy our unity? Well, the Bible says in many places, but in Revelation 12, 9, it says that the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the world. He, has thrown down, he, he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And Jesus said in John 8, 44, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, no holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. How does Satan try to destroy our unity? By lies, by deceiving. By making us think something else about different things. I mean, he, he tried to deceive us about God and who he is. About our relationship with him, his nature. He tried to deceive us in, in our relationship with one another. What it means to obey God or not. He's, he's an expert of lies. So... If Satan can make us think or feel that what unites us is something different than what God teaches, he did it. He fulfilled his mission. Let me just make them think that they need to focus on something else. Oh, and they won't be together anymore. That's what he wants. So we've got to be careful. We have to be smarter. We have to listen to the right voices. Amen? 
So how? How do we achieve unity? Well, if you want to see Satan lies, focus on God's truth. In anything you do in life, if you want to see Satan lies, focus on God's truth. You know, a, a simple example is lying. What's a lie? Because we can be like, well, that was like a white lie. Well, really? I mean, I could have said it, but I didn't. But what's a lie? Anything but telling the truth. Period. Keep it simple. All right, kids, the young ones. What's a lie? Anything that's not the truth. You don't have to investigate every lie and their angle of the lie. Is it the truth? Yes or no? So I want to apply the same logic to unity. Amen? We don't have to examine everything that could separate us to be united. Why don't we study what should unite us? Isn't that simpler and easier? So with that, let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Amen? You have opened your Bibles already. Or turn on your Bibles. I don't care if it's digitally or physically. You know, I know, I know some people tell me, oh, bro, it has to be a physical Bible. Well, what, are you told, what would you tell the disciples in the first century? You couldn't get a Bible. You couldn't get a piece of a Bible. I mean, you have to be rich to get, like, one scripture, you know, one page. So thank God today we have the Bible everywhere. Right? The idea is to listen to God. All right, so Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to read in verse 1. It says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely. This is one of those scriptures that you go, what? Completely? Humble. And gentle. And right there I'm like, I'm lost already. Be patient. What? Talk to my wife. She'll tell you who's the least patient in the house. Bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unit of the spirit through the bond of peace. What do we learn about unity from God's heart? He says, live life worthy of the calling. Worthy of the calling, worthy of the blood, worthy of the sacrifice. I mean, worthy of God giving up everything. Live life worthy of that. Then he says, be completely, entirely, in everything. Humble, gentle, patient, bearing with one another. I mean, whether you believe in God or not, do you think the world needs more humility, gentleness, patience? Oh, yes. Absolutely. No one can argue with that. But then he goes on. If this is, I mean, you might say, well, that's really hard. Who agrees that's really hard? To be completely humble. Okay, let's start. You can do a survey on yourself. Don't have to answer. A scale to one through five, five being the highest, are you completely humble? Don't say anything. Just answer to yourself. 
Completely gentle. I'm already failing. Completely patient. Oh, my word. You say, that's really hard. And that's why he says in verse 3, make every effort to keep the unit of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He doesn't say make an effort. He doesn't say try. Make every, every. Every is like all the time, all day, every day, every second, every moment effort. Because it's hard. I was talking to a friend one day, and he told me, you know, Nelson, if you want unity, be willing to pay the price. Because it's not cheap. He costs God his own son. And I was like, wow. And it's true. Man, we've been gone in Colombia, Venezuela, Florida, Chile. You know, people don't change much from country to country, from language to language. We're a people. And we tend to pull and raise our hands for our differences. But this is what I think, and this is what I think, and this is what I... And we tend to focus on what Satan wants us to focus on instead of what God wants us to focus on to be united. So this is why Paul continues giving the disciples in Ephesus at least of the eternal elements. Those seven elements we talked about. What are they? Verse 4. He says, there is one body. One spirit. Just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. So how many? How many ones? All right, I'm waiting for you. You can take your time and count. How many ones? You know, every time a word repeats in Scripture, you have to stop and think, why so many ones? Remember, he was saying, be completely gentle and humble and patient. He's like, uh, how do we do this? And then he says this. You know, there are seven ones. The word seven, you know, Bible uh, is... Numbers in the Bible have meaning. The number seven is one of them. What does the number seven mean? Anybody knows? Complete. Perfection. These are seven ones. One body. One spirit. One hope. One Lord. One faith. One baptism. One God. Seven ones. Seven ones that represent perfection and completeness. These seven ones can help us be completely, perfectly, is that a word? Perfectly? Perfectly is a word. Sorry, my Spanish and English gets all messed up sometimes. Sorry for bearing with my accent. These are the elements that can help us be completely united. Not something else. Not something else. I need to let that marinate a little bit. This seven once, not something else. You know, yes, we are imperfect people, aren't we? Oh, we are imperfect. 
we got problems, we got issues. I got a lot of issues. I'm impatient. I mean, I've been trying to learn, right, babe? Doing a little better these last days. But it's why I struggle, right, to, to lose my patience for, for stupid things. Like, if I go home, God forbid, and it gets burned, they steal my car. I'm like, okay, you know, stole my car. They, the house got burned. God, you're in control. But if I'm driving two hours away and I forgot my wallet, oh, boy, you don't want to be with me in the car, okay? Like, I would think stuff that is like you wouldn't even tell your worst enemy the things that come to my mind to tell myself. Yesterday, I lost my wallet. I mean, I, I don't know why that happens to me. I was helping my neighbor, you know, we're in the moving thing, and he has a bunch of trash. And I'm like, I can't help you throw the trash away, so let me go help you. Grab my wallet, put it in my pocket, went to help and came back, wallet disappeared. Lost my driver's license, credit card. Oh, it was hard. Now, I did a little better than usual. But it's hard. We got issues. You see, we are imperfect people. United by seven perfect spiritual elements. Now something else. You see, these seven elements are what? Eternal. They are not temporary. They are not going to go away. They don't depend on how you got up in the morning, what, who, who's, you know, who's running the country, right? They don't, they don't depend on none of that. They will never change. It doesn't matter if you lost your job or you got a promotion or, you know, if somebody gave you a hug in church or not. I mean, this, these seven ones do not go away. They are eternal. They are permanent. You can count on them. But if you try to be united on something else, social status, ethnicity, political views, well, that's temporary. That will never help us be united. You see, I pray that, that we understand that in the kingdom of God, we are united by the eternal, not the temporary. You know, I'm trying to make an analogy here. Like, we try to be together by so many other things. Oh, but... I would like this to happen or that to happen. The building, this, the microphone, the singing, the... Oh, if you go in the mission field and you got nothing, you got the seven ones. You got no worship team. You got no PowerPoint. I mean, I came and... Uh, Scott was like, you want a lapel bike? I'm like, wow. You got the seven ones. You're not like... Fighting over other things. You see, Paul is saying, regardless of our temporary condition, he says in 1 Corinthians 12, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts from one body, so it is with Christ. We're all baptized by how many? One spirit. So as to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles or slaves or free, it doesn't matter. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Oh, 
we tend to be united by the wrong thing. We tend to be united by the temporary and not the eternal. You know, the brothers in the first century struggle with this too. This is not an IE problem. We didn't create this, you know. Or like I told the Rancho Church, this is not a Rancho sector problem. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. They had a problem with unity. So I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another. Oh, that sounds familiar. Was that written from last week's newspaper or something? Agree with one another in what you say, and that there may be no divisions among you. But that you be perfectly, that's our word again, united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, some from close household, have informed me that there are some quarrels among you. Verse 12. What I mean is this, one of you say, I follow Paul, another follow Apollos, another follow Cephas, still another, there are spiritual ones, I follow Christ. You know, we, we tend to focus on the wrong things. We tend to be, just as them in the first century, divided by focusing on all the wrong things. With your husband and wife, we get divided because... We focus on the wrong things with our children. You know, we cannot seek unity looking at race, looking at place of birth, or what you eat, or social status. None of that really matters because none of that is eternal. Amen? Sometimes, like I said before, we can think we cannot be united because we have Nothing in common. Oh, but our political views are different. He voted this way. I voted that way. He lives here. I live there. He works here. I work there. We got nothing in common. How can I be her friend, his friend? We don't like the same type of movies. The type of, the same type of food. And Satan deceives us and lies to us. Oh, she's not like you. You can't be her friend. Just be friends with the other ones that are like you. How are we going to go into the whole world? Go make disciples of all the world. That, mean, that meant all ethnicities, all languages. Not just all countries. How are you going to do that? If you're going to focus on where you're from or what you eat. Sometimes we focus on what we have or we don't have at church, like I said. And those are lies from Satan that will never, ever, ever unite us. In the kingdom of God, you know, we are not united by our social status. We're not united by languages or where we're from. We're not united by the place we were born. Amen. As disciples of Christ, we're not united by our method of transportation. I can see there's a lot of diversity. We're not united by the places we live. We're not united by the size of our bank account, amen? And we're definitely not united by our political views. None of that matters because all that is 
temporary. It's basura. Garbage. That's your Spanish for today, 101. You know, with all the respect, if you think you need to have any of this in common to be united with someone else, you are being fooled by Satan. You have bought his lie. That will never unite you with your brother or sister. We're only united by the seven ones that will never disappear, will never go away, but will always be there. You know, all this is, is a worldly point of view. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, So from now on, we regard no one, no one, he says, from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do, not so, we, do, we, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Here's an exclamation mark. The new is here. This is good. This is good news. That's why I married my wife. She's a new creation. Amen. Now, I don't know if she could say the same thing, even though I'm trying to change still. You see, Paul says, we're no longer Jews or Gentiles. We're no longer a slave or free. We're a new creation. We're all new. It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have, what you used to have or you don't used to have. It's all new because in the kingdom of God, we are united by the eternal not the temporary. So, you know, when you, if you have a conflict that you need to resolve with somebody, has anybody been in that situation, you need to resolve a conflict with someone sometimes? Okay. I thought I was the only one. If you ever have a conflict with someone, how are you going to approach the conflict? I pray that you get on your knees and you focus on the eternal. Yes, that person, this person, my brother, my sister might have done X, Y, Z. But him and I, we have one God. We have one Lord. We have one baptism. We have one faith. I, I can go to him or her because we have that in common. We have seven. No one, not two, not three. Seven. Seven elements, seven things that keep us together. So never say, oh, I cannot be his or her friend because we have nothing in common. You just lied because you have seven. So don't lie. I know you, I know you don't want to be a liar. So you can come together and say, we have seven things in common. Wow. And on top of that, we might like ice cream. Wow, that's eight. That's awesome. And you can add more to it maybe. If you're open. But at least we have seven eternal elements that unites us. You know, if you're visiting today, I want to let you know something. Maybe you're connected online, visiting, or you're here visiting today. You know, my wife and I have been in many different places with our family of churches. 
And I can tell you that this is home. This is family. We're not perfect. But we got perfect elements that unites us. And wherever we go is family. You are my family. And if you need us, we're here for you. And I know that if I need you, you'll be here for us just like the Sweeney's have. This is family. And we need to fight for our family. We need to fight to stay together. We need to fight to be united. Amen? So if you're visiting with us, we implore you to study the Bible. Sit down with someone. It's free. They might even treat you coffee. Okay? Sit down and study the Bible. Find out what it is. Find out these seven elements that God wants to give you. Grant to you. So forever you can be united with Him and with others. And for us, brothers and sisters in the congregation of the awesome Desert City Church, I want you to imagine what could happen. What could happen if we focus on the eternal? What could happen in our relationships? What could happen in our neighborhoods? What could happen in, in all this vast area if we focus on what really unites us, the eternal and not the temporary? You know, in a moment, we're going to take communion. And uh, I thought of Jesus and his disciples, his apostles. I mean, talk about, a, talk about a different bunch, right? They were really different from one another. Why did Jesus choose this? Chose this man that were so different. Different worldview, worldviews. Some of them would have probably killed each other. And he put them together. He taught them that it was better together. He taught them the eternal elements that united them. And how they can go into the whole world and teach everyone the same. So as we take communion, I pray that with grateful hearts, you know, we can take communion thinking about Jesus because it's thanks to his sacrifice that we get to enjoy these seven elements that never in a million years we thought we could ever have. And it's all thanks to our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So let's pray. Let's bow our heads and pray for communion. Dear Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your son. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross for us. Thank you for his life, the way he lived, the way he died, the way he resurrected. Father, I pray that we will live life worthy of the calling, that we will fight to be together as he prayed all night, as he died for, and as he resurrected for. Thank you for your son. Bless the fruit of the vine, the bread that represents his body crushed for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.